10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. This is The Breakfast Show with Mal Krishnasamy. Good morning, it's 7am. Welcome to The Breakfast Show. I'm Mal Krishnasamy. I'm here every Tuesday, 7 to 8.30am GMT. Coming up, we have special guests, Scott Pusley and the Dynamic Depths. We're talking ch-ch-changes. It's Tuesday morning, this is Teachers Talk Radio, and we are live. Live from Valencia, this is The Breakfast Show with Mal Krishnasamy on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Here we go. That's enough of that. Just let me know if you can hear me. I've got new headphones, so I'm not actually quite sure if you can hear me. So just let me know. I can something. There's a little green thing going up and down, up and down. I see Scott Pusley already in the studio. Well done. Welcome. Good morning. We've got Make an Impact Education has entered the live studio as well. So welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Let us know where you're listening in from. Apparently Scott's in Accrington and I can only say it that way because of that advert. Um, In the UK we had an advert in the 70s of these two little boys um, from Liverpool having some milk and saying god what was the advert it was basically they were saying that oh you know only decent players um drink milk otherwise you'll end up playing for accrington stanley and uh, that's the only reason why i know the area because of that advert so welcome scott uh welcome nathan do let me know if you can hear me <laughs> as if you're not driving so what are we doing today today we are talking check check change change is such a uh, a big topic but i'm oh brilliant thanks nathan um yeah new headphone because mine are in storage <laughs> mine are in storage and uh, um yeah i didn't want you hearing my kids again like last week oh that was a nightmare but um yeah so we're talking about change this uh this session and with Scott we're going to be talking about turning around an underperforming department 
And that's something I've done before with uh, a history department and with an entire faculty as well in the past. So it'll be interesting to, uh, to talk to Scott about how um, what are the are the good ways of doing it and the bad ways of doing it. And because uh, I've done it, I've seen it done so badly and I've seen it done so well. Um, and then later on, about eight o'clock, we've got the dynamic debt duties are in and um i get the feeling they're doing a bit of a skit <laughs> but i'm just gonna let them take over the mal krishna sami show uh the teachers talk radio take over by dynamic depths because they're going to be doing uh a little chat about primary school and um making change happen there so uh scott if you want to call in now that's fine you can call in at any point so change lots of people oh god that was quick <laughs> he's already called in god quick off the draw there scott right morning good morning <laughs> are you still are you <laughs> i'm fine i'm fine are you driving uh we're on, we're on loudspeaker we are indeed oh okay on the how long's your commute in well, it's usually about 50 minutes, which is not too bad. Um, 50 had, minutes? About 50, yeah. We had, we yeah. had the choice of being blocked in this morning by the bin truck, so it's going well so far. <laughs> okay. Shall I tell you about my commute? Yeah, go on, go for it. <laughs> Rub it in. Hello. Yeah, good. <laughs> it's like that. You disappeared. Yeah, I just went downstairs. <laughs> Oh, nice. That's my commute now. <laughs> I oh, just go down the stairs into a different room so, because the kids are upstairs. How, how it's sunny Spain. Anyway, it's nice. It's nice. Huh? Sunny Spain is sunny. And even one of the kids, my eldest kid, we're having breakfast, you know, al fresco um, the other morning. And he went, Mama, where are the clouds? <laughs> <laughs> he's not used to he's not used to seeing so much sky but with no clouds at all where are they and then the little one went oh there's one and there's teeny teeny little cloud in the distance <laughs> so we were like yeah this is great <laughs> yeah it's great yeah it does the job yeah and it's great stuff so that's also good so Tell us about you, Scott. What got um, you into so, teaching? Well, into teaching, um, I'd actually, weirdly, I'd gone into town planning first. So my first degree was actually in um, town planning. And I'd went to a planning office to do a little bit of work experience and absolutely <laughs> hated it. And I just thought, this is not the career yeah. for me. <laughs> Um, so I, I then basically always wanted to be a geography teacher. I know it sounds a little bit sad. Um, oh, really? I always first... wanted to be a history teacher. <laughs> nice, yeah. nice. Um, my yeah. first actual career that I wanted, my mum reminds me on a regular basis, is <laughs> when I was a child, I wanted to be a, a balloon blower upper. The, the guy <laughs> in the street that blows up balloons and sells them. That's a lot of skill. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I'm not I went sure from that could, to want you know, to be a geography teacher. I'm not, I'm not putting you down or anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, yeah, went, went from that so to want to be a geography teacher. So you went into teaching a bit later? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, just a little bit later than the the usual um, green horns. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I think got, got into teaching. Um, started working in Doncaster. Um, it was my first post, and then yeah. went from there to Blackburn. Went from Blackburn to Manchester, then went to Dubai for a little jaunt out there. Oh wow! And then, oh. I know, yeah, and then back to the northwest. Okay, so what made you come back? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, good okay. question. Uh, Dubai yeah, it... to back to the northwest. It just yeah. <laughs> it's not got that ring to it, has it? So I'm struggling it's not here. Got that ring. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's not got that ring to it, has it? Um, so for us coming yeah. back, it was basically just missing family. I think with having so many kids, yeah. thousands of children that I do, um, it was just yeah. It's nice to have someone to palm them off onto every now and then. Yeah, it's true. You can't really. Yeah, I'm. Not, I mean, two is a lot for me. <laughs> the difference between one and two was ginormous, but I suppose two to ten is not yeah. much different, really, is it? No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Just keep going. Yeah. So, are you head of geography now? So I am. So I've been head of humanities for a number of years, and then I've okay. just uh, started a new post, which is head of geography. And then I'm also looking at like developing a, a SEN role within that as well. So I've recently oh. done me um, SENCO, so I'm qualified SENCO as well. So I wanted to bring that in to what I was doing because it's something I really enjoy. Right, fantastic. So. With geography, is this your first department? Have you have you? So this is my one, two, fourth um, head of department role. Right. Okay. So you've got a lot of experience of uh, working with a range of people and turning departments around. Were they all in a state? before you turned up or was it a case of our just some of them just needed a few tweaks you've gone all funny scott right let's let's have a bit of music while scott comes back So we are talking change with Scott Pusley. And Scott, are you there? Oh, Scott's disappeared again. So uh, I think I will go to here. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE validated programs to help you? Read, write, ink phonics, flop phonics and the brand new essential letters and sounds essential letters and sounds will get all your children reading well quickly using phonics books you may already have in your classroom developed by the knowledge schools trust english hub 
it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Right, let's see if Scott's back. Scott, are you back? No, I think Scott's got, I don't know what's happened. Maybe he's gone through a tunnel on his massive um, commute. Okay, so I'll, I'll do a bit of filling then. So um, I took over a history department in North London where there was one other member of staff and um, the department were, wasn't doing very well at all. There was no schemes of work. There was, um, there was actually, there was nothing. <laughs> they didn't even have the right books. Uh, there was no, absolutely nothing. And the head teacher was a history teacher, a former history teacher himself. And he, oh, okay. He basically said um, that he wants a complete overhaul. And luckily, he just trusted me to get on with it. And I have to say, I absolutely loved it. I taught years 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and 13 every single year. And when you're ahead of department, that is fantastic um, because you've got a hand in every single year group. So in that sense, my timetable was absolutely brilliant. And it was pure history, which obviously my favorite subject so absolutely loved it um scott you back yet no is this is scott's disappeared off the face of the planet okay so um yeah and i absolutely enjoyed that and i okay it was a tiny little uh it's a tiny little department but i learned a lot about managing people even though it was one person <laughs> uh but that person wasn't exactly easy um managing people and i learned a lot about um how people are different from me because i'm quite um enthusiastic and positive and not everyone else is um and so i had to adjust my way of of communicating with this particular member of staff. Scott, are you back? I think so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you are back. I can hear you properly oh, now. I wondered what happened. Toby or Iqbal started playing on my phone. I thought, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> her, show started you? Her, her show started playing during while I was talking to you. I don't know how that happened. Oh, that's weird. She tried to hijack us. <laughs> yeah. Stop it, Sobia. <laughs> Can't help herself that one. Okay, saved by the grace and the faith of God says, Welcome back, Scott. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah, great. Uh, so, <laughs> so you were talking about, um, let's talk about the very first department that you were responsible for. Um, so, in terms of my, my first department, it was a bit of a weird one because I was taken over as head of the department. The old head of the department was still there, but had been promoted to assistant head, and then was like my line manager. So it's a bit odd because the department itself is 
I think the last set of results was about 8% A to C, which wasn't great at all. Um, I know, I oh know. Oh, God. So trying to, like, manage change in the department where the person who was in charge of the department previously is then in charge of you was just a bit of a strange and, setup. <laughs> and how, yeah, and how long were they in, responsible for the department before you? Well, they'd been in charge, I think they'd been charged for about three years. Um, so they'd had plenty of time, uh, which was a bit yeah. of a strange one. Because um, obviously they wanted you to do well, but they didn't want you to do too well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think if you just turned up, you could do better than that. I, I mean, indeed, indeed. So we, we had a really good focus. And obviously, um, I got myself I mean, that's and, another... Um, yeah. Yeah, it was not great. Um, I think one of the the first meetings I had with SLT was um, got pulled in about the exam results and saying the exam results were 8%, um, A star to C, this is really bad. Uh, basically threatening like um, performance management and things like that. And my first response was, well, I started in the last half term of the year. I'd started after the kids had done the exams. So watch what you <laughs> like, it's not my yeah. fault. Yeah. Um, That's yeah, so there was, there was quite a quick, um, I'd say, trying to blame. But then when it, when it was mm. obviously transpired that I hadn't been there, the, the conversation quickly changed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so for us, it was just yeah. uh, myself getting the team together and really focusing, knuckling down on um, where we're moving forward to. Um and particularly like mm. that with obviously the person who used to be in charge of the department then being um, assistant head, who was then line managing our department. Yeah. It was it was a really odd cool. odd one to be in. Um, but yeah. I think it was, it was quite I mean, TSCW says, seems a strange choice of promotion to AHT unless their role ended up being completely different. That's a closed statement as don't want to start being disparaging to someone I don't know or a situation I don't know. But I would agree with that. With somebody, I mean, unless they've gone, I don't know how you can, I don't know, I don't well, understand. Went, they've been in went charge down of... the send route. That, that was the, they went completely away from curriculum and down the send route. Right, okay, um, yeah. So I think their, their um, defence was that their heart wasn't in the teaching and learning, their heart was in the, the role of sending and proving well, it's not um, about their heart. What about the kids? Yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're preaching to the converted. Yeah, I have um, no sympathy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, TSCW uh, agrees. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah. So for us, it was that was sort of the first experience of turning the departments around. Um, mm. Worked really, really well. So like, one of the only things in terms of restrictions was the fact that the person who'd been previously in charge of departments was every now and then saying, well, you need to do this. And it's quite hard for, I'd say, someone who's not got the results themselves to then take that on the chin and say, yeah, okay, I'll do that. Um, mm. So that was that was one of the things in my first department in terms of um, so managing change that was quite difficult. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, after we come back from Dubai, um, since we've come back, it's basically been departments run has been in the top, uh, I think it's one percent. I think I got told um, nationally year after year. Um, so yeah, once again, that department when I took over, um, they, they never really had a geographer there. I think the longest geographer 
in the school had stayed for about three weeks before they'd left. Um, oh, my God. I know, I know. I have a, a pattern. Of- was it the historians? <laughs> Did they push them out? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Though, those historians are like. Um, yeah, it was, it was just, it was one of the, I've got a, a sort of track record of taking on departments that aren't where they should be and trying mm. to turn them around. Um, yeah. 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 So how did you do it? Um, so I think for, for me, the idea is you've, you've got to look at doing the small things right and really focusing down on making that change. Mm. Um, so the first things we really focus on as, a, as getting a team together is what are the command words and how the students answer them? What does a good le- lesson look like? And mm. then you've sort of, you've got to try and be sustainable with it. You've got to try and get your key stage three in place and your strong lessons in place. But at the same time, you can't mm. forget year 11. It's quite a hard balancing act, particularly when you're quite a small team. Um, yeah. So, and I think um, yes. many new uh, department heads forget about the key stage three. They just go straight yeah. in for the year 10s and 11s. And you're like, but the foundation, yeah. you know, because there was one school I was in for eight years. And when the year sevens, went through to year 11 the results were phenomenal because of the foundation we'd put in and continue to put in throughout key stage three and i think too many department heads forget and then they put all their best teachers in gcse when really everyone should have decent teachers it shouldn't just be a kind of a top heavy thing yeah and you end up like year after year just that's trying to thinking. hammer down year 11. You end up knackered. You end up absolutely knackered because you just focus on year 11 all the time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I think with us, uh, this is the same with my current department as well, that we've really focused on getting a really good key stage three in place, but also setting up a quite a strong battle plan, what I like to call it, for um, our year 11s. Ooh, um, war talk. <laughs> war talk, yeah. And we basically look <laughs> at where the kids are currently. Uh, so, looking at where the kids are currently. We then really focus on like what are the next steps, and we, we I basically make a spreadsheet. I did used to do it on a board. We haven't got a board anymore, um, <laughs> but like all the kids' faces and where they are currently, where they need to get to at least, hmm. um, oh. and then looking at what we're doing week by week to best support those students. And it's yeah. not, I wouldn't say it's rocket science, but mm-hmm. the big things that we need to get sorted are one: you need to get parents involved. Um, literally week in and week out i'm ringing parents mm. they've done really well on the exam these are the next steps um and try not to focus on the behavior just focus on the mm. outcomes i think you find a lot of the time particularly in deprived schools if you're just talking about behavior parents aren't massively bothered um mm. you can say I'll, I'll have a way of them or i'll tell them off um but, but the impact that has on outcomes isn't great Whereas the impact in terms of looking at how to get to the next grade, oh, they've done fantastic, they've done this, this, and this, to get to the next grade up, they need to do this. Mm. That has much more of an impact and gets parents a lot more on side. It gets students yeah. wanting to do well as well. Um, yeah, so I, so I see that as using data effectively, really. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I think that um, <laughs> the last school I was in, I was sitting in SLT and I'd been there a couple of weeks and they were talking about um, the two data, there was two 
people responsible for data and it was awful so there was the deputy head and there was an assistant head and they were talking about oh the next data drop is on blah blah make sure the people you line manager are doing blah blah and i was like oh can i ask a question um once the data drop is done what happens after that and there were just blank faces looking at me and i was like and the head teacher went what do you mean mel (laughs) and i was like well you know all the staff, they input the data. I mean, I was being facetious. I was having a laugh thinking, oh, they're, yeah. you know, they're just being silly, you know. Um, but it turned out they didn't know what I was talking about. I was like, look, we've all inputted the data. And then what happens? And then um, the head teacher, well, what do you suggest, Mal? well in my old school and actually the school before that and actually the last 20 years (laughs) what we've been doing is looking at you know everyone's putting the data we look at who's on track who's not on track and what are we going to do we bring it around the table and we talk about intervention strategies how are we going to make sure that certain students don't fall behind or if they're doing well in maths what do we need to do with their English you know that kind of thing and they just looked at me like I was nuts and said we haven't got time for that <laughs> <laughs> and then and, and I was like but your results were like 29% <laughs> the school I just came from <laughs> is on 85% and it's full of refugees so yeah. you know it just, I found it mind-blowing. I knew I was on to, uh, uh, <laughs> it wasn't long before we were in special measures with that attitude, put it that way. Yeah. And I, I completely agree <laughs> as well because, yeah. But it's, to me, you know, that's just, to me, that's standard. That is standard stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I think with my so last school, I just, I just um, recently left, and when we talk about results and I go, oh, we got, we got these results and they were the top 1% in the country and this, that, and whatever, our, our send was um, plus 0.135 and things like that. So name dropping in terms of how well we'd done. And we get, well, this skew is different. We, we're full of, we've got deprived children, things like that. And there's an automatic um, thought in some people's brains that, deprived children can't do well. Now, the school I've come from oh. is massively deprived, massively deprived. But people yeah. automatically assume it must be an affluent area or the parents must be extra pushy or they, they assume that good schools have got this special thing about them that make the kids do well. But actually, the special thing about them mm. is the teachers really push yeah. and I mean, drive it's, it's awful because I remember... Yeah, I mean, it's mad, isn't it? Because I remember uh, going over to school and being uh, the head of faculty handing over stuff to me and um, I was starting in January so I was taking over her timetable and she said oh this is year eight the bottom's set just do drawing with them or something and I was like what (laughs) I mean they were difficult but I ended up teaching them the French Revolution and they were loving it because I just thought no that it was just that actually oh you can't do that with these kids you know, yeah. I was like, no, 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 no. And then I remember saying to uh, the t- um, okay, my faculty, okay, I think we need to shake up the history um, uh, curriculum. It's a bit, you know, it's a bit dry. So how about we teach this, this, and this? And they were like, oh, no, we, we were told by your predecessor that we can't teach that because the kids don't know anything about that. 
And I was like, wow. yeah, but that's because we're educators. <laughs> that's what we do. We don't tell them what they yeah. already know. What does an 11-year-old yeah. know? <laughs> you know? I, mean, exactly. I just couldn't believe it. Yeah. yeah. It's well. that, like Sobia says, low aspirations. Yeah, and like I think Sobia mentioned before as well how, how we, we get in these sorts of positions as well. And I think it's because mm. a lot of the time, it's really difficult. People tend to get think, I'm going to lead a department and these are the things I'm going to do. But they don't realise how difficult it is to unpick what's already been done some of the time. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. actually harder to undo some of the damage than mm. to move forward. Because um, yeah. certain I mean. things are ingrained like Brighton Rock, isn't yeah. it? it just re it's like the culture that runs through it and you're like, no, no. Yeah. Oh. We don't do it like this. <laughs> no, that's not. We don't do it like this, but no. we do now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So any other suggestions for anyone that's thinking about becoming uh, head of department? Sabi says culture uh, is a massive problem to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I'd, I'd say you've got your culture right, but I'd also say in terms of being a head of department, you've got to get your priorities right. And first and foremost, I know it sounds, it's one of those big things where people say, trust your team. And actually, I'd, I'd say something a little bit opposite. I'd say, once you know your team, trust your team, but mm. don't just assume because someone's a teacher, they're going to be doing the same things as you and they're going to know exactly yeah. what you mean. Um, yeah. You've got to really get that parity across the department to say, this is exactly what we want. This is what it looks like. Once everyone's doing that, then trust your team. But don't just... Yeah. I've seen way too many departments where the results have come in and they've gone, oh, well, I didn't know this person was doing this or I didn't know this person was doing that. I just trusted them. Don't. <laughs> um, just make sure you yeah. know what... Well, I have to say that's what... Yeah, I, that's my biggest lesson from my very first head of department role because I'd say to um, the other member of staff, oh, uh, make sure we're doing this and blah, blah, blah. And then a week later and say, how's it going? They're like, how's what going? And I was like, that yeah. thing we agreed. And he was like, I don't remember you saying that. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so it was like he was gaslighting me back. And I was like, whoa. So um, from that point on, I wrote everything down. I had this meeting, a rolling meeting log. And I just kept that kind of thing with everybody I met with. So that if anybody says, well, I don't remember that. And I was like, oh, check back on your meeting log. You know, and I tried not That's to sit on the 27th of uh, September. <laughs> You At said 5.05. <laughs> <laughs> you said that it wasn't as pernickety as that, but it was all there. So then there was no misunderstanding. You know, there was nobody saying, well, you yeah. never said that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there that, were, yeah, so trust is a balance, isn't it? That 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 yeah. sense of actually I need to know that they are doing what I'm asking and then I can trust them. Yeah. What else? What other gems can you give? Um, so my main gems are really to get to really understand your specification, understand where the marks are being allocated and make sure that staff are teaching the way that supports the kids to mm. get them grades. Mm. Teach high for everyone. Do, don't yeah. start Don't start saying that, oh, send the students can't do this or PP students are, are in our area um, the students got low aspirations. So what? Teach high, the kids will rise up to it. If you have high aspirations, mm. The kids will do well if you this don't. This is it, isn't it? Yeah, this is absolutely it. Because that again, when I went to this, uh, what was known as the refugee school, mm -hmm. 
it was like the bright ones did all right. I mean, they didn't do amazing. They got their C's or their B's and that. And what I said to the faculty is that every single child needs to make progress. So this isn't about A, B or C. This is about little Johnny just making a little, you know, just that extra step. What do they need to do to get the next step to improve? And that is it. So you're changing their mindsets and the teacher's mindsets. Sabia says, would be interested to hear your thoughts on balancing change management from whole school and department priorities. Interesting. Yeah, Yeah, I I think a lot of the time, actually, whole school priorities should link into your department priorities. If you've got good whole school priorities, which are generally things like improving outcomes for students or support and sending students better or developing careers, any strong curriculum has those things in anyway. Um, and I think it's one of those things that don't try and explicitly show, I am doing this in my curriculum. Most people will be doing those things in the change that they are making in the department. And it's actually just saying, well, this is where we do it, mm. rather than making it too explicit where it doesn't fit your department anymore. Um, things yeah. I really try and do. So I'll, I'll put my department improvement plan and if it crosses the whole school room plan anywhere, I'll just highlight it and say, that's where it crosses it. I don't specifically mm. try and shoehorn whole school priorities into my department because it, it doesn't yeah. work. Every department's going to be different. Yeah, exactly. And I also think that if a whole school priority is vastly different from a department, there's something wrong with a whole school priority, isn't there? You know, yeah. because it should be about teaching and learning and well, yeah, that's it, really. Show <laughs> me about that sort of thing. So it's that anything within the whole school department, whole school priorities, there will be teaching and learning section. And yeah. that's something that all departments should be doing anyway. So it should align. Yeah, no, definitely. If, yeah, agree. it'd be weird if it didn't. It'd be weird if it didn't. And plus, mm-hmm. the yeah, because like, I, I used to be responsible for teaching and learning, so I'd write the whole school priorities for the teaching and learning section and um what the walkthroughs i did and uh, speaking to heads of departments and all that that informed the whole school priority it couldn't be just plucked from the air or from the government or the government says this is important it it was more about what what the school what's needed for the school which should align with yeah yeah it should all fit together i think that's what i'm saying sabia it should all fit together yeah. Yeah. So what about where you are now? Uh, so where I am now, I've once again taken over um, a department that is a very, very low performing compared to um, other departments in the school. Um, mm. And I think it's a, a sort of a running trend, but actually with... I, I do a lot of outreach as well as sort of go and help other departments and things in other schools and bits and pieces and it, it's the common the common problems that come up and you see over and over again that's restricting results they're not big issues to fix it's just being aware of them and it's not saying yet yeah, we're doing that because you'll get that an awful lot yeah we're doing that mm. But, mm. but it's not being done so it's, yeah. the, it's the monitoring it, it's not I know it sounds quite hard but it's not rocket science you really focus on what is the key language? So what is the key terms that the student's going to use? And let's hammer those home. 
what are the um, command terms for the exams? So how the students know how to do them? How are you practicing? How are your lessons really focused mm. to push all students uh, to the highest level? And then last but not least, how are you monitoring those students? So be on the students all the time, mm. phone calls home, go in to see them. How are you doing? Um, a lot of people, I think when you first start becoming a head of department, you think just because you're a good teacher, you're automatically going to be a good head of department. And that's not the case at mm. all. A good head of department yeah. is dogged about pushing people into the right direction and getting people moving and doing the same thing, swimming in the same direction. It's yeah. It's hard enough to do that with your class, but doing that with adults and other people's classes you aren't in charge of, you've mm. got to be quite dogged with it to get the results. Yeah, and it's probably easier with the kids. Yeah, definitely easier with the kids. Because <laughs> the kids back. are more, you know, even, I mean, because every school I worked in was rough. But like, <laughs> even in the roughest schools, kids, when they understood that you were, you know, on at them because you care, um, they yeah. ended up being compliant. But <clears throat> with adults, adults can be so stubborn. And like you say, with, you know, I see so often um, so many people who are great teachers, like really effective in the classroom. Um, but when it comes to management, so, some people go, oh, this isn't for me. Yeah. Because you can't just know how to manage adults just because you know how to manage a classroom. Yeah. It's not the same at all. Not at all. It's so, it's so much harder because a lot of the power gets taken out of your hands. People think as a head of department, you've got more power. But actually what you're doing is you're relinquishing your power to your department and hoping they do what you're asking them to do. Because when mm. the results come in, if they don't get the results, it's you who is up for the chop. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. I never thought thought of it like that. It is true because you, you know, when you're a classroom teacher, you have total control of what happens in your classroom. Um but when you're a head of department, yeah, it's like there's so many variables. Yeah. And and that's difficult if you're a control like me. freak. <laughs> Yeah, like me. <laughs> yeah, Sabia says, agreed, managing up and down. I often, well, yeah, I, I can't think of a school where I didn't manage up. Yeah. Really, apart from my very first one. Yeah. I think the thing is as well, that when you get a department, that a lot of the time, for geography, for example, it, there's not very often geographers on SLT. And we, one of the things we seem to struggle with an awful lot is that previously, a lot of the low ability kids and a lot of the SEND kids got made to do geography rather than anything else when we still had coursework because it was seen that geography was easier and the kids would get a better grade and let's push the kids towards that. And there's, there's a lot of that still about, even though the reason why the kids were, were getting a grade is because they were doing 25% coursework and there was oh, a lot of hand-holding. Um, they weren't doing well on the exams. The coursework's now gone, but there's still a sort of lingering idea. The subject's easier. Mm. Um, so you sort of, because you don't have specialists on SLT a lot of the time, it's quite hard to sort of challenge those preconceptions or misconceptions more than mm. anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's quite yeah, difficult. Yeah, and from, you know, quite often in SLT, I'd be like, no. <laughs> Because then there's also the, you know, because as a head of faculty, you'll get the same deadlines as, say, head of English. And head, 
and you've got to um, get gathered together eight loads, up to about eight to ten different subjects worth of data in the same time as the English faculty. Yeah. And you're like, actually, I need a bit more time or my staff need a bit more time or, you know, it's just there's not always that understanding that actually humanities, there's an awful lot of subjects and a lot of staff. And a lot more kids to teach. <laughs> yeah, a lot more kids. But and and it's usually they take um, if they want X, even though they have about five lessons a week. English, this is where me rant. I'm in rant mode. <laughs> even though English and maths have about up to in one school, it's five lessons a week. They still try to take them out of my lesson. And I remember <laughs> a stand up row outside a classroom going, no, my kids have got an exam next week. You are not doing this. <laughs> you are not taking them out of my lesson. Yeah. No, completely agree. And like, then you even, end up, and then what I found was that, and so many humanities teachers are there till some ridiculous time coming in on Saturday and Sunday because we lose so much lesson time to English and maths. Yeah, no, definitely. Every sort of yeah. drop down it's, day or every intervention session that supports specifically English and maths, and you're like, why are they coming out of my subject? <laughs> why? Yeah. Why me? Yeah. But again, it adds to that culture of, uh, apart from English and maths, nothing else matters. Yeah, yeah, you know, oh, definitely. Which, which is frustrating. Now, Sabi says, option subjects get different class lists too. Um, what do you mean different class lists? I'm not sure. Probably we get more kids. It. I've walked past quite a few English and maths class where there's like eight kids in the classroom. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my love. What's going on here? <laughs> yeah, I, my last history. This is when EBAC came in, and they were all being pushed into history. And it was like I've got thirty-six kids in this class. I have to keep going to get chairs from somewhere else, and like, and I'm trying to teach them the Treaty of Versailles, <laughs> and half of them can't read. And it's like, you're expecting me in two years' time to get grades, decent grades from these kids. And it was like, no, 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 no. It was just, yeah, they were just being pushed into certain subjects. How's that go? Is that still the case? Um, I'd, I'd say it's different between, my, my experience anyway, it's different between local authority schools and between um, big trusts, essentially big academy oh. chains. Um, I think a, a lot of the bigger academy chains are still really focusing on this idea of cutting down the curriculum action. I, I think a lot of them are going to get a bit of a kickback if they get a recent Ofsted, but they're, they're focusing on English, maths and science and then just basically a, a small handful of subjects, whereas a lot of local authorities are still given that wider range. You've got your drama, you've got your music, you've got your food tech, you've got your tech, which most mm. big academy chains that I've come across aren't really doing. Um, and mm. So I think there's a, there's quite a, a big disparity there. Um, I think it's, it's not the same across the board when it comes to that, I don't think, anymore. Mm. Yeah. Sabia says, oh, she's explained what she meant about class lists. She also says, agree with Mel. So, yeah, Sabia's my new best friend. <laughs> right. 
Uh, she said, meant we have a very wide mixed ability, whereas students get placed into EBAC, so we hardly get the more able. So it's like you end up with sync subjects, don't you? Yeah, like, I completely agree with that, particularly previously the amount of so for geography yeah. the amount of kids that were put into geography because they were send or because they were low ability or because the behavior was bad and they thought oh they need to get a grade not mm. an amazing one but they need to get a mm. grade let's stick them into geography um yeah and it, it's it's hard to battle that once that sort of idea is in there the, the curriculum and the exams changed years ago now but there's still people with that sort of preconceived mm. idea that Geography is yeah. easier, and you just sit there and colour in and things like that. I wish we did. I really, honestly, I love colouring <laughs> in. Um, <laughs> but it's just not the case. Yeah. Sabia said earlier, oh, yes, Scott, same with computing and business. It's that attitude. Uh, luckily, you don't have that with history. <laughs> but yeah. it's that attitude of, you know, oh, these are easier subjects, let's drop them in there. In my last school, it was about um, design and technology. You had kids that couldn't draw, that were, you know, weren't exactly very good at drawing in um, graphic design. And I don't know if you, yeah, yeah I mean, because I just remember speaking to the head of you know, who was teaching and he constantly had behaviour issues because the children couldn't do the work, uh, didn't want to do the work and they'd just been pushed into that area because there was space yeah. in that class, you know. And, yes, I mean, what do you think? If you had a magic wand, Scott. Oh, right, OK. okay. <laughs> this is the million-dollar coaching question. If you had a magic wand and you could change anything to do with education you wake up tomorrow you, you had the power what would you do oh I, I think the the change that i would make is instead of saying that every child matters actually make every child matter it, it's i think changing the rhetoric into practice is something i would do a lot of the time people say mm. we're, we're gonna do this and we're gonna do this for the right reasons you listen to them you think yes finally that those those kids that are disadvantaged, those send kids, they're finally going to get the support, the funding, mm. everything they need, and then it just it doesn't happen. And there's, there's nothing worse mm. than you're being let down by policy. The policy saying you're going to get this, and actually in practice, it's not happening because the people who've made the policy know for well it, it's not going to work in practice. They're just saying it as a bit of rhetoric, and I'd, I'd massively change the fact that for us, if we're going to say something is the best read by every child, then mm. would have the ability to actually do it. Yeah. Yeah. Was, well, yes. <laughs> That's a bit woolly, Scott. <laughs> I was expecting something more powerful than that. Yeah, no, I think I think yeah. for, I think because my send background, I think else? that's the thing. Free I, coffee, I, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, free coffee and biscuits for all teachers free and biscuit. an extra day off, four yeah. day week, four day week. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, I mean, it is. When I think back to my, I mean, I'd say it was the best timetable I ever had, had teaching you seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. But I also think hang on I did that so it was basically like 27 lessons out of 30 or something crazy like that and was head of department and yeah. the following year I had an NQT and a teach first so it was quite a full-on 
And you think, well, no wonder a year later I ended up burnt out. (laughs) But this is when I was enjoying it. So I just think, you know, what I'd probably do is, because like in Japan, I think the most they teach is like 16 hours a week. And uh, and I think it's the same in Finland. That it's no more than twenty hours a week that they are face to face teaching, and the rest of the time they're doing one to one and planning and that kind of thing. Imagine if you had that sort of time yeah. to really plan your lessons. The quality it would be. Yeah, I think one of the things I miss so much about Dubai is at the end of the day, like when the, when the school bell went. No sooner as the kids had left the building. SLT were ushering oh. you out. No, go and enjoy time with your family. No, you've, you've done enough work. Mm. Off you go. And that balance is something that I just haven't come across no. it in the UK. Um, I think that makes all the difference that you're doing it, but you're also getting the you're doing the teaching as a job, but you're also getting the, the payoff for it as well. And I think that's something we've we've not got right in this. No, country. and I think that's why so many teachers go abroad from the UK. Mm. I mean, I I I. I joined a choir in Spain and um, like the choir director is uh, a teacher, a music teacher in the local uh, British school and there are three other people I've spoken to that are teachers and you know considering it starts eight, eight o'clock at night they look quite um, chilled. Yeah. (laughs) Very chilled. I mean we are in Spain and right near the beach but like yeah, they're pretty chilled considering they're coming from work and, you know, that sort of thing. And they, and they seem very happy at work. Whereas, I don't know, I don't, I don't think it's as joyful in certain places in the UK yeah. because yeah. it is quite relentless. Okay, so is that it? Your magic wand is something <laughs> woolly and free. <laughs> yeah, that's me, woolly. Freeze <laughs> tea, coffee, and biscuits. That's it. Yeah, yeah. That that that'll do me. That'll do me. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a disappointment, Scott. As a total disappointment. <laughs> I'm disappointed. Right? Story of my life. Well, I just want to say, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming in. Any final gem you want to give people about being? Um, well, leading from the middle, I suppose. That's um, what it used to be Just called. keep smiling. Smile. I think it says, uh, on Madagascar, smile and wave. That's all you've got to keep doing. Yeah. Smile and wave. <laughs> I love that film. <laughs> I'm always <laughs> saying to the kids, do you want to watch Madagascar now? <laughs> They're like, no. <laughs> all right. Cheers, Scott. No worries. Thank you very much. Thank Have a good day. Soon. All right. Bye. You too. Cheers. Bye. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In England, the Department for Education has said it will employ attendance advisors at a rate of up to £500 per day to tackle persistent absence in schools. Schools Minister Robin Walker said, 
Every lesson that we can prevent a child from missing is another building block to their life chances, development and well-being. I recognise that COVID is still with us and causing some unavoidable absence, but this is all the more reason that we must all take action to address every avoidable reason for a child not being in school. Kevin Courtney, Joint General Secretary of the NEU Teaching Union said, School leaders are no strangers to the diverse causes of absenteeism and have procedures in place to work on relationships with families and build a way back for pupils who have become disengaged from learning. This work is important but can often be time consuming. Any support forthcoming is to be welcomed but is also incumbent on government to recognise its role in some of the causes of school absence. This ranges from a narrow and arid curriculum, driven by a culture of testing, which drains much of the pleasure away from learning, right through to the turbulence that disadvantage and poverty can bring to families, where children may often have to take on carer roles themselves. We must also consider the sheer number of SEND pupils as yet undiagnosed, and the mental health issues which have only increased during the pandemic. Fining parents and punishing students is not the approach that will address these issues. In Scotland, educational institutes are increasingly introducing gender-neutral toilet facilities. Schools in Dundee, East Renfrewshire and Edinburgh have all introduced these facilities following warnings in 2019 from Scottish National Party politicians and by the Scottish Equality and Human Rights Commission that schools would leave themselves open to lawsuits if they did not provide them. Parents across Scotland have however raised concerns over gender neutral toilets in secondary schools which can see 12-year-old girls and 18-year-old men sharing facilities. Harry Scott, Scottish Borders Councillor, said, Why is it not possible to have male, female and gender-neutral toilets, which would cater for the needs of everyone? Why can that not be achieved in our schools? This has been your daily education news briefing. Welcome back. Ooh, ooh, my voice is down there. So great talking to Scott about managing ch 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 change, um, managing a department, changing the culture. I mean, it's it's not as easy as it seems. So I'll just go in and tell everyone what to do. It's not as simple as that. It's about changing the culture changing attitudes um these low aspirations and um the attitude of oh we'll just deal with the top set you know 
that sort of thing. So there's a lot more to it. So uh, there's a lot I agreed with Scott on, and it's great that he's still out there fighting the fight in Accrington. <laughs> I can't help giggling when I say Accrington. Sorry. Okay, so coming up after the news. Oh, no, I've just done the news. Uh, coming up after um, some waffle from from me by the sounds of it uh we have got the dynamic deputies coming in need support with your phonics teaching did you know oxford university press now has three dfe validated programs to help you read write ink phonics floppies phonics and the brand new essential letters and sounds Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Welcome back. So um, we're talking about change and um, a question that is often asked in interviews is tell me about, and this is when you go for uh, a senior leadership interview, um, is tell me about a time when you tried to manage change and or implement a new project and it went wrong and what did you learn from it? Um, and I think that's a really good question because you really get an insight into whether people have enough humility to say, yeah, I stuffed up <laughs> and whether they can learn from things that have gone wrong as well. So um, I'll tell you one where I got it badly wrong um, is, right, so I was an enthusiastic assistant principal, like, I was like, oh, I was like quite the uh, teacher evangelist. You know, I'd be trying to convert everyone. Oh, be a teacher. It's amazing. I was one of those people. I was, I was disgusting. Uh, and I do apologize to all my friends from that time when I was just uber, uber um, excited about teaching uh, for about a decade, <laughs> I'd say. And I didn't stop talking about it. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And um, so when I became an assistant principal, there was the assumption I had that I could get people to ride with my enthusiasm. I'll be able to get buy-in because I'm excited about it. Um, I didn't really think about, I was quite naive, I didn't really think about that some people are just miserable <laughs> and just want to argue about everything. And then you've got people that have been doing it for the last 20 odd years that are like, oh, great, another initiative. Um, you've got people that are just overloaded with everything that they need to do. And yeah, I hadn't really considered any of these things. And I hadn't really considered telling people the reason why they're doing what they need. I'm asking them to do something as well. And today it's kind of drummed into you as a leader that, the why is so so important and um so i was responsible for um psh 
and I hadn't really, because I was responsible for uh, quite a number of other things, PSHE was on the back burner. I was going to come to that at another time. And um, I remember the nurses turning up saying, oh, we're here today to see year nine. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> I didn't know they were coming in. And uh, then at the end of the day, one of the nurses coming up to me saying, um, just wanted to let you know that we're year nine. We were supposed to be here to talk about contraception um but they were asking about periods and i was like what i was in absolute shock because by that point quite a lot of the kids should be on their period uh, and the fact that they were asking about them really shocked me um so i was really uh quite shocked about that and i thought actually something needs to change um Hello, I've got a call. Hello, it's it's Russell here from uh, Dynamic Deputies. Hello, how are you doing, Mal? Hello. I'm fine, I'm fine. How are you? You rang bang on time. I didn't realise you've been <laughs> Sorry, yeah, show. I've been listening on my drive-in this morning. Enjoying yeah. it very much. Enjoying your story there about contraception. That's really nice to... Yeah. As a segue into yes. me. Yes, um, <laughs> <laughs> And we've got Steve. Steve coming in as well. Hang on, here we go. Steve's coming in. So now, uh, oh, it says, sorry, Stephen can't join here now. <laughs> he may call in later. Oh, <laughs> you know why. So are you in Kent? <laughs> oh, no, hang on. So, so <laughs> no, let Steve's trying now. to, here he is. He's coming in from Kent. Oh, right. He's coming in. <laughs> here. Are you in a tunnel? In a tunnel? No, I'm in a lovely office. Do I feel very echoey? Oh, yeah, yeah. Is it empty? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> no. Like... <laughs> You're just bouncing off. Your voice is just bouncing off the walls there. And what about you, yeah. Russell? Where are you calling in from? I'm calling in from Exeter in Devon. I'm sat at school, ready to go with another beautiful day. Sun's rising outside. Yeah, so it's lovely to so, join you, Mel. Yeah, you're, two, you're both two ends of the country. We are, uh, opposite ends of the point, country. You were together. We were. We always tell the story of me um, breaking Steve's heart, moving down to Devon. But yeah, we worked together for three years uh, <laughs> at school in Dartford as as two assistant heads, and then we both went on and uh, tried out yeah. deputy headship and so on. And then Steve's relocated sort of deeper into Kent, down to Canterbury, and I'm so he's gone even further than me, to be honest. So um, yeah, Ooh, so, yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, so you're, you were both here to talk about ch 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 change. Absolutely. Yeah, we've um, definitely got things right and wrong in our careers on this one, Mal. And when, yeah. when we were talking to you about um, implementing change, Steve and I thought, gosh, there's lots of times we've got this right and wrong. Um, mm. So, yeah, we, we just sat down last night, made a little bit of a list of do's and don'ts, and we didn't know whether it would be helpful just to talk you through some of those yeah go for it steve did you want to kick us off i don't know if your sound's working all right i hope is my sound still terribly poor no it's not too bad not too um, bad a little bit better. echoey it's okay oh, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll attempt to carry on and um, yeah mel when we've made change we've i'm the first one to hold my hand up and you've got to remember that you are human in this and we all make mistakes and we've just got to like you said learn a bit of humility take it on the gym, yeah. 
well, why are we attempting the change in the first place? And my, my biggest do would always be that any change we're making should be based on what is right for the children. Mm. We, whether, whether you're in the classroom, in the SLT, leadership, whatever you are, a stakeholder, you always want to do what's best for those children. And I was thinking, even when I changed my book corner or my seating plan as a teacher, I was wanting to do what was best for the children in that situation. And mm. no matter how big or small this change is, that's what we want. We want to see beneficial impacts that really enhances the education of these children. Um, so when you are making change, think, you just said it, the why is the most important thing that's out there. And therefore, what is the benefit that the children will achieve? And, and in turn, hopefully that will also enhance the teaching experience of our teachers as well and our staff, because the one thing we don't want to do is do things that are for so-called evidence that's not really evidence, for example, extensive writing planning or a marking policy that teachers spend four hours a night doing because that's not time savvy. That will mm. lead to the burnout. That will lead to discomfort. And we want our staff to be at their very peak performance. And if we are piling on um, change that would just never benefit them or the children, it's got to be the wrong decision. Just has to be. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And sort of leading on from Steve's point there, Mal, we were saying that, you know, something that's changed for us both over the last few years is this idea of being a bit more evidence informed as well. Like we were the the assistant heads who saw something a little bit shiny and thought, this sounds good. Uh, let's go for it. And actually what we've learned over time is that's not good for staff. We need to be making decisions based on best bets about what's likely to work. And the mm. kind of caveat to that point is that we can't adopt a, polish, a policy or a strategy generically because there's evidence um, behind it. We also have to kind of uh, adapt that to work in our particular context. So, you know, I know when I first became a deputy, I went and visited a couple of schools and you'd see things that were working really well there. And there's a temptation just to drop that straight into your school in its same form where I would mm. say that even if that's backed up by evidence, you have to you have to reflect on how's that going to look for us? You know, is mm. my context the same as the school I've just visited? So that would be my next one really is making making decisions based on, on best bets, but within that, looking at the context of your school because uh, it's all very nuanced, isn't it, evidence? Um, we have to be a bit careful around that. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, yeah, there's so often you see, you know, I mean, Zoe Ensa did a, a show on Saturday, her debut show, which was brilliant, um, and where she talked about, you know, awful CPD. Mm. And it is just that because I remember sitting through uh, my first CPD where I was a, a, a first inset day where I was an assistant head and this person was talking about literacy. Mm. And she was talking about literacy in the most generic way. And we were in a specific area with, um, you know, 67 different languages in our school and 80% EAL. And she was talking about in such a generic way for the country that it was a useless CPD, mm. a useless mm. bit of CPD. So, so it just, it really does need to be bespoke to your school. Okay, Absolutely. what else? Well, Steve? Yeah, I also think that the obvious one should be that we should be considering the implications on staff wellbeing. Staff wellbeing is vital to being a successful running school um, and to give the best mm. for our children. So 
when you are introducing any initiative or change, you need to be thinking, is that going to be sustainable? Is it efficient? And can we, as leaders who are implementing this change, what can we actually do to remove some of the initial workload for colleagues? And mm. it's funny, when you were talking about your experience as PSHE uh, lead, I was thinking back to when I I'd just come out of my MQT year um, at my school, I'd been given ICT lead, and I was like, yeah, I love technology, this is amazing. I had a brilliant um, <laughs> IT uh, manager at school, and I was going to revolutionise um, the school. I wanted to be a hub for the whole community in Kent, and, and I, was, I had these massive plans, and it all started with wanting to do more video conferencing uh, in classes to communicate with other schools as well, and do, um, like, instead of going to museums, we could have them zoom in to us, basically, um, and learn from that. Um, I didn't appreciate that there'll be some resistance because not everyone is a puppy dog when it comes to technology and really wants to. Mm. <laughs> this kind of like just passed me by because I was so enthusiastic. I expected everyone yeah. to be just as enthusiastic and love technology, like know how to use an Apple Mac. And, and it's a real shock when they're not, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> I was in absolute not- shock. I think it's worth remembering that even if you've got, like you were saying, Mal, you're talking about being enthusiastic. Even if you've got a subject lead that's really enthusiastic, like Steve was for ICT or or someone else for PSHE, if it's going to mean more work for people, just appreciate, just accept that's going to be a bit stressful for them. Don't you know? Don't don't put your back up about that. And mm. I think you know what Steve's saying there about removing some of those barriers. You're like with the tech, you're making that accessible and easy for them. Or we've just brought in a reading instruction approach inspired by Christopher Such's brilliant book. Well, at my fantastic assistant heads instead of just saying this is what I want you to do and leaving everyone to it they've they've prepared a term's worth of uh, reading extracts that people are going to use because they recognize that was going to take people forever if they didn't get that in front of them so you kind of almost got to make it easy for people um to take on to take on those changes um by by removing some of that workload yeah Um, yeah. I would say on the flip side to this Mel Obviously, we can only stack so many plates that we can carry. Um, I was imagining a way to carrying all these plates. And if, as leadership, we are putting more plates in the hands, then we can't juggle that all. So we need to think about if we're implementing change after change, then what are we actually looking at to start removing things or trimming things back so that, hmm. I mean, everyone, subject lead, would want their subject to be the spotlight. But how are we balancing this out for our teaching staff? Because we can't just keep having Mm. more and more put on us without maybe trimming some of the sides and making it manageable. Mm. Yeah, because teachers want to do a good job. You know, they're conscientious people. So if you're bringing in a change, they're going to want to commit and and do that with, with, you know, with 100%. So Steve's right, there's got to be something that gives is that a policy? Is that a marking policy that can be trimmed back? Something else that claws back a few minutes in their day and some energy to allow them to focus on the things you want them to focus on. Um, Mal, the next thing we wanted to talk about with with bringing in an initiative is, in particularly in the primary setting, I'd be interested if it's sim- similar in secondary, I'm sure it is here in your conversation about sort of year seven, year 11 with Scott earlier, is to test initiatives in different phases and see what they look like because you know classic example for us was uh, one of my assistant heads brought in a whole class feedback approach where you know cut down on the written mark and do more of the oral stuff and it's brilliant but she recognized this is not likely to look the same in year one as it does in year six Mm. so for a period of months 
she had two teachers in different phases trial that and that 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 had numerous benefits one was mm-hmm. that when it came to do the staff meeting she'd already ironed out a lot of the problems that had come up you know through the testing process two she had gained two cheerleaders for it you know by yeah. the time she came to that staff meeting that year one that year whatever it was five teacher had already tried it and were behind it and and were able to give voice to the rest of the staff about yeah this can work and this is how it looks um so definitely testing things in different age ranges and recognizes that the developmental age of a a six-year-old and a 10-year-old is very different as i'm sure it is with an 11-year-old and a 17-year-old absolutely yeah i agree and that's something that um oh that's something that i used to uh do is Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, that's something I used to do as well because if usually quite often, let's say there's a new marking policy, there's not really much thought about, well, what about PE? What about the technology subjects, you know, the more vocational subjects? And so what I did was I got a pilot group of people. Uh, I tried to make it at least one person from each faculty and um, got the technology, PE and um, business, those kind of people to work together on looking at the policy that I was introducing and how it could work for their areas. And so what we ended up with was brilliant because when I did eventually a term later introduce it in September to the whole school um it was a case of I had about 15 cheerleaders Mm. you know and I got them to speak how it can work and they were pushing it through their faculties and it was uniform in the sense of yeah we were using the same system but adapted for each faculty that would work for them so whenever you know somebody from outside and because we were a school in special measures uh, we had a lot of people from the outside coming in they could see there was a consistent Mm. policy that was across but adapted like PE still use the same system but you know not the stickers and all that that other um, faculties mm-hmm. used and yeah I, I, I think not enough secondary schools do that the piloting what you end up having is a SLT with a great idea and they go you know full all guns <laughs> yeah blazing let's introduce this without testing it out and how it can work because my original plan um, compared to what actually went out to whole school was very different. But that's because we mm. tweak, tweak, tweak based on feedback. Yeah. And I think that's really important. Brilliant. Yeah. And Sorry, I, Steve, you were saying something. Yeah, I think it takes us to the wire. And um, we can't just assume that one meeting with staff will explain the wire and the rationale behind any change mm. because it takes uh, It definitely does. And we want our staff to know that this isn't something that we came up with on a Sunday night and we're implementing it on a Monday morning. Yeah. Um, we need to really explain how the process has got us to the point where we want to implement a change in the first place. And I mean, I'm a, I love SLT meetings where you can close the door, you can kind of thrash it out um, because you want to have as many opinions on an implementation that will eventually, like you say, it will tweak and it will keep tweaking until it is a smooth operation of, okay, so this is the approach that we want to take at our school. Um, and that's where it does come from. Don't just implement something generic. Really tailor it into, to your needs and 
to your key stages as well. Um, mm. And I feel like on the other side of the coin, if we are challenged about a change, don't take it personally. It's, it's not aimed at you. Um, it's aimed at the change. And therefore, why should we be defensive about that or dismiss anyone's concerns? Because we need to actually have this human approach of hearing our colleagues. Um, they, they're going to reward us with commitment later on to the to the change if we are really clear about why we're doing it and we can get everyone on board because at the end of the day it will go a lot smoother if everyone's back in that change so make it really clear and not just in one yeah. shot we're going to make it clear across a series of times as to why we are doing this and steve it's really inspiring isn't it when you're mm. in a staff meeting or, or or something and a leader's talking about a change really passionately and someone poses that challenge i think there's a really key moment there where it can go one or two ways you know if the leader because they're so emotionally invested in that policy or that idea goes into defensive or uses the wrong kind of motivation to try and tell people what they need to do it can go really ugly quickly however when they show that kind of calm um, acceptance that uh, of the challenge and sort of like that's a great question and they sort of embrace that and allow that to sit in the room and and be discussed it's, it's a lovely powerful moment and what I've discovered through experience because I probably used to put a lot of my emotion into changes and feel defensive when people didn't immediately like something what I've realized now is some of those um, colleagues that will challenge up front quite quite hard they're just testing they're just testing the idea out properly so that they can understand it they're not hating on me they're not <laughs> they're not angry with me they're not yeah. it's not a personal thing yeah. they're it's some of those people yeah. no some of those people are going to be your greatest advocates once they've got their head around it and what I've realized is some people need to challenge yeah. quite hard up front so they can make sure it's clear in their head what they need to do why how and they're mm. a bit anxious about the change some of those people will be the biggest fans of the change in two three four weeks time because they're the ones that have tested it hard yeah. they've really got the why and if you made time for them and you help to explain it properly they'll be like great I like this 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 sounds good they just need to get their head around it properly so yeah try not to be too defensive because you throw a lot of emotion into preparing a staff meeting or a change or a policy um, and it's easy to take it personally but there's there's no mm. point there Mal yeah. can I talk about uh, youngest children you there was such a parallel in your conversation with Scott earlier when you were talking about um the need not to just put all your best teachers in GCSE years and to ignore the kind of, you called it the foundations mm. at the start of secondary school around year seven. was so similar at primary where yeah. there is in some schools a tendency to do exactly the same thing, to just worry about SATs years, to mm. um, forget the power yeah. and the impact of, of, of the lower part of the school. And, you know, all, all primary teachers mm. will, will reflect on what I'm about to say and agree with me, which is that most, not all, but most primary school leaders tended to be key stage two or upper key stage two teachers. There's lots that aren't, but th that's just typically the way it goes. So naturally, and that's the case for me and Steve, although Steve was uh, taught in more age ranges than me, um, it means that you've got an uh, unconscious bias about you see school through the lens of your teaching experience which for yeah. me was predominantly year four five six as a deputy mm. head I've come to fully appreciate just how incredible the work is of my early years colleagues and the and, and key stage one and now you know I've made the mistake many 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 times mm. over the years of doing a staff meeting or implementing a change and just seeing it through my lens and it's not an intentional thing I'm not trying to exclude mm. people ignore people but over time I've come to realize that actually 
getting it right for how it looks for them in their part of the school is absolutely pivotal and you know it will pay dividends in the years to come if we invest time um in in properly looking at what policies and approaches look like in the early years it's just the most vital part of a child's education to get off to that good start and to have that really powerful start to education so um yeah i think it's really similar for you in secondary from what you said earlier yeah yeah absolutely and i think um and it's it's kind of like that sort of top down thing the um it's similar in the sense that yes it's important to work on key stage 3 but it's also in the sense of what i was saying earlier about the marking policy how's this going to work in every single faculty because every mm. faculty is different you need to allow for that but you still need some something standardized but bespoke which is quite a difficult balance yeah. to strike but if you ignore the vocational subjects if you ignore PE if you ignore then they're never going to feel part of the mm. whole school part of this change movement if you like okay what mm -hmm. else is on your list I think you can appreciate that <laughs> introducing a new initiative or a change can be quite time consuming and we should not expect to see results overnight. And therefore, mm. a massive do would be, okay, let's ensure we make time to revisit things. Um, yeah. A, you can tweak if you need to, or B, celebrate the results. Like, what have we introduced and is it working? Is it having the impact that we really want to see? And let's go over it with the new colleagues as well. When mm. it's really easy, and I, I used to lead on induction for our, our staff, and you, you think, oh, I've given them a lovely folder that's got all the policies in it. And what we're doing, <laughs> they must be able to see, they can look at a book. And you think, no, 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 take the time to really induct someone yeah. to the school and, and celebrate what we do and show them why. It, I mean, people might miss a staff meeting as well, and therefore don't assume that they're, co-partner in a year group will go oh this is what it was covering and therefore this is what we're doing no we need to uh, see this as a retrieval practice for existing staff and introduce it to mm -hmm. new staff and constantly have a cycle and because either way an initiative could go two ways it could be dropped because you've introduced it but it just hasn't really had that momentum and therefore it just tails off or it could be a great success but let's never just assume that oh yeah, I've done a staff meeting, I'm bringing this change in, everything can be fine. It'll be well embedded. It won't be unless we make sure it is by consistently giving it time and reviewing the change itself. And it's just got to be a massive one. And yeah. get opinion on it. It's, it's almost like the mm. least um, yeah, exciting bit about leadership. Sorry, Mal, it's like the least exciting bit about leadership, isn't it? Because it's the it's the it's really exciting to launch a big staff meeting and to or to trial something, test it out and then launch it to everyone with full energy and enthusiasm. And, and that bit has always been the bit I felt like I'm pretty good at and that I enjoy it and that gets me buzzing. It's kind of the dull bit is the follow up is actually I've said this, but is that what's landed for my colleagues? Have they all heard the same thing that I think I've said? What is it actually looking like now in their classrooms day after day? Is it still there in three months? Is it still there in six months? And, you know, my example is when I came to my current school, we we didn't really have sort of mass mastery and 
in, in place in any form really so we made loads of significant changes and in fact we recognized it would take time so we invested probably 18 months of cpd training and stuff so it wasn't just one staff meeting numerous staff meetings and follow-ups and so on i kind of felt by the end of that 18 months god that should be pretty much sorted now shouldn't it and even now i think to myself i must go back and see that that still looks the same or that 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 mm. still exists for people because every teacher wants to do a good job but naturally things fall off don't they or yeah. you know we give them a new plate as steve said and suddenly the, the the plate from 18 months ago is is just got a bit lost we've kind of forgotten um you know a really important part of that and what steve said about retrieval there's really important that yeah new staff need to hear it because we can't assume they're just going to pick it up from handbook but mm. it does absolutely no harm to your pre-existing teachers go can we just remember what we said about fluency and maths like why why is that so key to what we do at the school or you know we bought in this particular strategy or like counting at the start of our math lessons why do we do that again why is that important because i just think you lose that why over time and you end up you can end up teaching to the tick yeah. list almost, can't you? These are all the things SLT want me to do, mm. but unless you really believe in it and you get why you're doing it, you kind of they kind of lose their power, Mal. Yeah, yeah, and things can get watered down, and, and it's a bit like um, uh, I don't think we're allowed to say Chinese whispers anymore. But you know yeah, that yeah, yeah. kind of where something gets morphed into like a something lethal mutation, else. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, look, yeah, that's exactly it. And uh, I'm going to use that phrase instead from <laughs> now on. It's a good but, one. Yeah, I think it might be a get, Dylan William one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and things can get mutated. And so, you know, actually, that's not how it was originally supposed to be done. And now it's become a tick mm. box exercise instead of something meaningful. So it's important to mm. revisit. I also think it's, it's, for some, it's boring, but also I think it's quite scary asking for feedback. Yeah, because you're putting yourself, you put yourself in a vulnerable place because you've introduced something. You're asking for feedback, and you're going to get people on Survey Monkey that mm. are just because it's anonymous will just be mean. <laughs> just be really yeah. really horrible about it um and you kind of hope they don't speak to their <laughs> kids in the same way but like they will be quite vitriolic about it but i think it's important to have that i mean i wouldn't say i had a thick skin i kind of took it on the chin and kind of got upset about it but also took it as okay something isn't working so i mm. need to fix that in some kind of way Sabia say, asks, do you think that's because not all staff understand properly? Staff have different abilities and needs which gets overlooked sometimes. Yeah, I think that, that's a good question. I think there, there's got to be, we've been working really hard on subject leadership in our school and we we always talk about the kind of two strands of how we help our staff to become more knowledgeable um, and confident in delivering that subject and there's the kind of whole staff cpd stuff what you might call slightly more generic around the curriculum design around the principles and then there has to run alongside that the more bespoke stuff the coaching the supporting individuals and you know in, in particularly in a primary mm -hmm. setting we're not specialists in everything so even with the core stuff we do day in day out there were 
most teachers have a preference for maths or English, for example. Well, we're teaching like five hours a, a week of both of those things. So if in one of those subjects we're a bit weaker, we need a bit of bespoke support. That might just be with some planning. That might be with um, delivering a particular aspect of our lesson. So we have to do the whole staff CPD, but we then need to get alongside people and not assume that if they're doing something wrong, they're doing it to spite us, <laughs> but that they're doing it because, as Sobia says, they need that bespoke bit of support and they need someone to... To, to 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 coach them and you know we've, we've found incremental coaching or instructional coaching where you're working on one small thing at a time um over you know for a matter of a couple of weeks few weeks has been instrumental for us because over time you might tackle 50 60 tiny little things in that teacher's practice that snowball into enormous changes in outcomes for children mm. yeah absolutely um, if they don't understand or are unsure then it is our duty to assist with that and like Russell said coach to people um, help people know why we're doing what we're doing and how can we help individuals as well because that is the danger of a staff meeting when it's to 30 40 people we might just assume they've all heard it everyone mm. can hear it sometimes mm. so clarity is vital but also make sure you have smaller group meetings or one-to-one -one meetings with certain people to help them further and to ensure that they they know what needs to be done in a positive way not a done to way but this is what we're going to yeah. do how can i help you introduce it if they need that as well yeah and see as staff cpd needs to back that up as well and what i used to do was have um differentiated workshops if you like so if we were introducing let's say a new feedback policy for example uh, you'd have the what is feedback level <laughs> and then you'd have the advanced levels how can you introduce different types of feedback more peer assessment you know that kind of thing so it was layered so people can go actually I want to know the basics of this because I really don't and or they can go I know the basics I'm going to go to the advanced level kind of thing so people could choose what was best for them and I think mm. that's really important I mean, we do that with the children. We, you know, we, we, the way we explain things, we explain it in different ways to different children because we know that they, they will grasp it better. And we need to do the same with uh, the adults in schools as well, don't we? Absolutely. Mm. Right. It is now, I was going to say 9.30. It is in Spain. <laughs> <laughs> it's 9.30 in Spain uh, it is now 8.30 and I just want to thank you both very much I think that would uh, be extremely useful I think this whole um, show would be very useful uh, CPD for middle leaders out there and well all teachers really so thank you very much for coming in and I'll definitely have you both in again our pleasure now thank you for having us on no probs okay speak soon bye bye Tom says he likes the new music, so I switched it off. <laughs> Just to annoy him. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, I couldn't find my other one. There's some happy uh, kind of music, but now um, 
yeah so i found this one i thought it was quite chilled chilled more of a spanish vibe maybe maybe not i don't know okay so i have to say i really enjoyed today's show talking to scott is a was an absolute laugh but i think people got a lot out of it in terms of turning uh, an underperforming department around um and speaking to the dynamic deputies is always good fun they talk an awful lot of sense and uh, yeah i'll be um sharing this with the middle leaders this show with the middle leaders i know but thanks for listening next week we have uh, the marvellous Jill Berry um, talking leadership. And we have Amjad Ali. He says he's coming in. We'll see. <laughs> Amjad Ali as well. So thanks for listening. Um, live for the week, not just the weekend. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.